Shalom everyone, uh, welcome back to another episode of uh, The Upper Room After Hours. Um, thanks once again for joining me. Um, it's a privilege and an honour uh, that you've uh, shared your time to be with me today. Um, yeah, another two weeks has passed, um, loads going on. Two weeks is a very long time in terms of uh, what's taking place in the media in the world, so I've had to whittle it down to, to, to several stories once again uh, as we take another look into all things uh, weird, wonderful and uh, everything else in between. So um, again, a few a few bits to get through today. So um, we'll just uh, we'll just crack straight in there. Um, this first story, uh, trigger warning uh, to any of you out there who are sensitive uh, at all to um, any form of wokeism, anything of the the, the liberal uh, agenda. Uh, this is just a heads up because this one's probably going to uh, press some buttons. Um, but uh, again, it's it's one that uh, you may or may not have seen in the uh, in the old interweb of things. Um, but I just thought this was a classic example of um, yeah uh, wokeism and how it's playing out in real time and um also uh not just uh in terms of that kind of leaning but more more to the point of uh idolatry and uh the replacement of of worshiping uh the creation as opposed to the creator and um, yeah, so you may be familiar with this, and I, I'm sure there are there's some of you that have seen this. But um, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll just uh, we'll get into it. Oh, welcome to Apple. Welcome to Apple. Hi, I'm Tim. How is the weather coming? Hi, I'm Tim. Yeah, I'm going to do the office's already carbon neutral thing, right? Yeah, all yours. keep you waiting so our lovely friends at apple um they've they've put this piece together and uh just off the bat what i find uh, really interesting is the timing of this release um now the premise being that they're at a board meeting and mother nature is uh in attendance to give some sort of review uh based on the 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 the, the carbon footprint uh, you know, review narrative. And what, what I find interesting in terms of the timing now, I don't know if this is necessarily intentional, but obviously within the, um, the Moedim, the, the, the biblical calendar of, of the feast days, we're, we're literally on the, the cusp and in, in the midst of the Feast of Trumpets going into the, the, the Feast of Atonement, um, which again is, is all about the, uh, the foreshadowing of the return of uh, Messiah trumpets being an indication of the 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 chauffeur blast the 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 trumpet 
announcing the, the return of Jesus. And then as we head into atonement, the great and terrible uh, judgment day. And it's all about, you know, that, that fearful, that uh, awe-inspiring return. And, um, you know, we're all in a state of uh, preparing for that, being ready for, for his return. And I just find it interesting that the, the opening uh, scenes is, is everybody preparing for this uh, arrival of this uh, this deity, this this deified figure, and they're all fearfully preparing and hiding stuff, and you know trepidation. I, I just thought that was a very uh, how uh, how intentional that is. Uh, I'm not too sure, but. Mother Nature. Mother Nature, welcome to Apple. How how was the weather getting in? The weather was however I wanted it to be. Let's cut to the chase. We know that's not biblically accurate. <laughs> In 2020, you promised to bring Apple's entire carbon footprint to zero by 2030. Henry David Thoreau over here said we have a profound opportunity to build a more sustainable future for the planet we share. Which ties into the uh, Agenda 2030, UN, United Nations, uh, uh, amendment of uh, sustainable, peace-loving, uh, economically uh, economically and sustainable environment uh, nonsense. I think our 10 o'clock's at the same thing. They all do. All right. This is my third corporate responsibility gig today, so who wants to disappoint me first? Well, we've got some updates we are excited to share with you. Materials, status. Is there a materials person here? Yes. We are in the process of eliminating all plastic from our packaging by the end Let of... Let me guess. 50 years from now when someone else is left holding the bag? By the end of next year, actually. When we're also currently using 100% recycled aluminum in the enclosures of all our MacBooks, Apple TVs, Apple Watch... What about iPod Shuffle? The, well... It's, it's a joke. Don't you people make Ted Lasso? Oh, that's a different group. Um, we're also phasing out leather in our iPhone cases. What about Brando over there? They phasing you out too? Oh. What's next? Electricity. Electricity status. Uh, 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 we're operating on 100% clean electricity. What runs on 100% clean electricity? Every Apple office, store, and data center runs on clean electricity, thanks to you and your powerful wind and, and sun. Mm. And Apple offices are already carbon neutral. It's, it's terribly nauseating it's so sycophantic and appeasing of this uh uh this this uh agenda of um conforming to a narrative of how man is is somehow uh ultimately responsible for what what takes place um in terms of uh, the climate and everything else and uh, you know I, i'm not negating uh, for a second, the impact of, of, of man on, on certain environmental issues. And of course, we're duty bound to to take care of the earth and everything. Like, I'm not, not debating that for a second, but this whole uh, concept of how we can dictate um, uh, what takes place when arguably, uh, again, tinfoil hat ready, a lot of the... Uh, 
a lot of the things I believe that we're seeing take place in the news and the media with regards to disasters and weather, uh, it's all at the hand of uh, some pretty psychopathic elite uh, technology wielding crazies. So it's like they create the problem and then again, it's the Hegelian dialect, but like a, on steroids where it's like they're doing they're 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 doing some very heinous evil deeds and yet they're placing the guilt on the people to uh, live and behave and spend their money in a certain way when it's like these CEOs and executives are, are riding around on their super yachts and their, their private jets and it's like you know if that's your thing like all power to you like whatever but like don't try and manipulate this narrative to make people feel bad for, for, for using things that, that's been perfectly sustainable but gets hijacked for for, um, for financial gain. And and the, uh, all of these, like, companies, like, coming across, like, they, they actually care. When every company is driven legally to push profits, so if it means, like, pushing an agenda, if it means being carbon neutral... If that means more money for them, like that's what they're going to drive. If they're being rewarded uh, to 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 conform to this narrative, and it drives profits, like they do not care about people, they do not care about uh, the earth. They just care about their their uh, their overall um, income. So, yeah, just uh, skullduggery. This building is carbon neutral? Oh, yeah, we, we do it with a mix of clean energy and eliminating greenhouse emissions. It's kind of like if you were to... You're uh, seriously explaining carbon neutrality to Mother Nature? Right, no, I'm sorry. You want to tell me how photosynthesis works too? Don't. Um, also, over 300 suppliers have committed to using 100% clean, renewable electricity. What's next? Transportation. I'm proud to report that we're shipping more products by ocean rather than air, which reduces transportation emissions by 95%. 95%? Not too bad. I'm also happy to report that we're investing in projects around the world that protect the Earth's soil, plants, and trees. <laughs> Everyone says they're planting trees. We've planted forests. Oh, hello. Where? Paraguay. Brazil? What, are you trying to save the tropical savanna? Yes. And we've also restored mangroves in Colombia. What else? Grasslands in Kenya. Why? Our aim is to permanently remove carbon from the atmosphere. What about your water usage? We've reduced it. By how much? 63 billion gallons. 63 million? Billion. As you can see, we've innovated and retooled almost every part of our process to reduce our impact on the planet. But there's still a lot more work to do. And there's something else we wanted to share with you. You're not trying to bribe Mother Nature with Apple swag. It's Apple's very first carbon neutral product. Hmm. I want to see you do more of this. You will. When? By 2030, all Apple devices will have a net zero climate impact. All of them? All of them. They better. They will.
Okay, good. See you next year. Don't disappoint your mother. I mean, it's on. It's on. <laughs> it's happening in real time. Uh, it's it's just not an easy watch, is it? Um, I you know credit to whoever uh, came up with the idea for the sketch. It's like it's it's well put together and well done, and and obviously it's Apple, but uh, yeah, just uh, just a little slice of um, the uh, the wokest pie for everyone. So uh, yeah, apologies for any triggers. Um, but um yeah uh i just thought that was an interesting uh, interesting start to to proceed in so um yeah as ever let us let us know what you think in the comments Is this the last we're going to see of this uh, this agenda, uh, or is this the beginning of the end? <laughs> it's uh, it's a very strange uh, strange world we're in right now. So uh, the next article um, that came up, uh, again, I, I thought it was quite appropriate given the, the timing of uh, where we are in the calendar and the feast days. Um, but yeah, as I was um, out and about uh, looking, I uh, saw this article. Uh, it was about the uh, the great de-churching um, that's taking place in America, which... Uh, I do find particularly interesting just in the context of um, uh, is there a preparation of um, church going folks who, who who basically have had enough of you know religious um, captivity and falsehood uh, and a craving for uh, genuine biblical um, discipleship and teaching and and everything else. Um, and I thought this article summed it up real well. So the great de-churching looks at why people are leaving churches. So I don't know if you're familiar, but there's a lot of people coming away from from the church who who aren't attending, um, particularly post uh, post Rona. Um, but this takes more of a statistical look of what's taking place. Um, so yeah, we'll just get into it. Um, Jim Davis and Michael Graham knew something was up in the hometown of Orlando, uh, but they just couldn't put their finger on it. At the time, both were pastors at Orlando Grace Church, an evangelical congregation, and saw a study showing that their community had the same percentage of evangelicals as less traditionally Christian cities like New York and Seattle. Uh, Their city also ranked low on a list of Bible-minded cities, 
uh, with a profile more akin to cities with secular reputations than the Bible Belt communities like Birmingham, Alabama or or Nashville, uh, which didn't make any sense to them. Um, Orlando was home to the headquarters of Crew, a major campus ministry, uh, along with Wycliffe Bible Translators and other major Christian nonprofits, as well as booming and influential megachurches like the First Baptist and Northland Church. Uh, and Orlando felt different from New York or Seattle. Then it hit us. It be- it's because our people used to go to church, David said. He and Graham knew of a number of people who had stopped going to church, and the two pastors started wondering how common that was. Uh, they began looking for data while there were studies uh, of the so-called nuns, uh, those who do not identify of any faith group, uh, there were a few about uh, church-going habits. Uh, eventually, they decided to do one of their own. Uh, with the help of friends, they raised a hundred grand and enlisted the help of two political scientists who survey religious trends in the U.S. Uh, Ryan Burge at Eastern Illinois University and Paul Dupe of uh, Denison University uh, to create what they think is the largest ever study of folks who stop going to church. Uh, That study, combined with other data about Americans' uh, changing religious landscape, uh, led led them to a sobering conclusion. More people have left the church in the last 25 years than all the new people became Christians from the First Great Awakening, Second Great Awakening, and Billy Graham Crusades combined. Uh, Davis and Graham write in their book, The Great Dechurching, Who's Leaving, Why Are They Going, and What Will It Take to Bring Them Back?, uh, the book and the study prompted it were driven. The book and the study that prompted it were driven by curiosity and stubbornness. Now, uh, again, for maybe uh, some of the younger in the audience, in the faith and in age, uh, the uh, the Billy Graham Crusades was a was a very uh, well publicised uh, event that took place across America and the UK and probably other parts of the world as well, uh, where uh, Billy Graham went on a, a big crusade, uh, bringing loads of people to Jesus. Um, but subsequently, uh, a lot of um, uh, commentators and I guess historians have, have, have looked at the the overall retention of Christians from those crusades. And it's been uh, a question as to how many people actually were saved and actually remained in the faith uh, post-crusade. So Billy Graham, uh, again, a lot was said about that individual. Uh, however, um, yeah, the, the 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 fact is he he allegedly brought lots of people to the Lord, but maybe perhaps quite a few of them fell away because of the uh, yeah uh, again just generalizing, but the the, the vacuous nature of uh, the evangelical American industrial church complex. You know, where, where's the real stuff essentially? Um, so I, I think that's a, a good illustration of. Um, perhaps one of the reasons why we're seeing this this falling away as it were um if we've got a question that we need an answer to we're not going to stop until we get it said graham who is now program director for the keller center which helps churches adapt to the changing religious landscape uh which is probably a dangerous uh, place to be in if you're trying to appease uh society to get people into your church um Excuse me. Davis and Graham said that they wanted the study to be informative and vigorous, uh, which is why they decided to work with academic researchers. The study included a survey of 1,043 Americans to determine the scope of de-churching, which was defined as having attended service at least once a month in the past and now attending less than once a year. 
that initial survey found that 15% of Americans are uh, de-church. Now, I, I do understand that a lot of these uh, uh, data uh, pools and, and these um, ways of ascertaining information are obviously flawed and you're using uh, uh, the best that you can in terms of statistics, but it's always an indication in terms of what's taking place and, you know, it's the best we got essentially. Um, a second phase included a survey which detailed questions for 4,099 de-churched Americans. Uh, their answers were sorted and clustered using machine learning, said Burge, creating groups of people who had statistically similar answers to questions. Uh, it's a wonderful way to look at religion without any sort of bias or prejudice, Burge, Burge said. Uh, it just lets the data speak for itself. Uh, the book appears to have struck a nerve with both church leaders and the broader public, Data from the book was featured in a series of New York Times columns about the changing religious landscape and what it might mean for American culture. Uh, Burge said the book's surveys build on previous studies of the nuns, uh, as well as studies showing the decline of congregational life in the United States. The 2020 Faith Communities uh, Today study, for example, found the median uh, congregation of in the United States stood at 65 people, down from 137 uh, two decades ago so the average uh, attendance of, of an american uh, congregation has in fact uh, decreased uh, substantially um, uh, a recent look at the effect of the covid19 pandemic found that the median congregation in 2023 is now 60 people uh, the pew research center projects that nuns could make up as much as half of the population by 2070 now, for a long time, the church declined and no one really cared, Burge said. And now people are seeing the decline and saying, wow, this is really becoming a problem now. Uh, we've reached an inflection point where people are talking about religion in a more thoughtful, nuanced, statistically driven way. Um, the de-churching study eventually yielded profiles of different kinds of de-churched Americans, cultural Christians, uh, who attend church in the past but had little knowledge about the Christian faith. Uh, mainstream evangelicals, uh, a group of mostly younger dropouts, uh, ex-evangelicals, which is something we, we covered uh, in previous episodes, uh, an older group who had often been harmed by churches and other Christian institu institutions, uh, de-churched by BIPOC Americans who were overwhelmingly black and male, and de-churched mainline Protestants and Catholics who had much in common despite their theological differences. Now, uh, the researchers also uh, sorted de-churched Americans into two major categories, the casually de-churched, uh, those who lost the habit of attending services because they moved or had scheduling conflicts, and then you've also got church casualties uh, who stopped attending because of conflict or because they'd experienced uh, some sort of harm. Now, uh, each of the five profiles had a wide range of reasons for leaving their churches and why they might be open to returning. Uh, for so-called cultural Christians, they left in part because their friends weren't there, uh, which is you know, 18%, and because attending uh, was not convenient, uh, but also because of gender identity or church scandal. Um, mainstream evangelicals dropped out because they'd moved or services were inconvenient, but also because they did not feel much love in the church. Uh, Ex-evangelicals in the study left because they did not fit in, uh, because they did not feel much love in the congregation, because of ne negative experiences with evangelicals, and because they no longer believed. Um, 
Many BIPOC uh, de-churched Americans left in the early 20s, often because they did not fit in or had bad experiences. Uh, mainline Protestants left because they moved uh, or because they had other priorities or did not fit in, while Catholics who are de-churched said they did so because they had other priorities or had different politics than others in their parish or the clergy. Uh, David said that uh, people leaving the churches is often seen as a catastrophe caused by church misconduct or hurt. Uh, that plays a role, he said, but the reasons people leave are much more complicated and sometimes more mon- mundane. Um, I guess with regards to the church misconduct and hurt, I mean, that's uh, that's been endemic for a long time in terms of scandals and uh, abuses of power and people within uh, certain church institutions. So we, we've seen that played out for, for a while. Um, the de-churched also differ in in why they might return. Uh, mainstream evangelicals were looking for friendship, while mainline and Catholic de-churched Americans were interested in spiritual practices and outreach programs. So, you know, I, I can appreciate appreciate the sentiment of, you know, forming relationships and uh, communities within, um, within your church. Uh, but arguably, you're probably in dangerous territories uh, uh, spiritually if that is a priority. Uh, for me personally, I, I feel these things... Uh, as important as important as they are c- should really be a byproduct of your devotion to to your uh, uh, to your church or or to the place where you go to worship um and yeah i can see how uh certain people may be led to do certain things that aren't necessarily prevalent within a church whether it is things like outreach or uh, community programs or they want to be more active whereas some places might be more i don't know scholarly or more uh, about teaching and, and doctrine. I, I don't know. I, I I don't go to all these churches, but I can see how people have different flavors and different callings to, to whatever their their preference is. Uh, many de-churched Americans might return to churches if they found a stable and healthy congregation, Davis and Graham said. But those congregations aren't always easy to find, given the level of polarization affecting churches and other institutions. Again, uh, put two Christians in a room and you're going to find three different ways to do something because uh, unfortunately there's always a level of disagreement um, no matter where you go. Uh, among other findings, Americans who have higher levels of education or are more successful in life are less likely to drop out. That concerned Davis who worries that churches only work for people on the so-called success path in life. But again, if you're on that 501c3 sketch of you know bums on pews, um you know you're you're getting paid to do this and that's that's the institution within itself it's like of course you're going to have like successful people who are donating lots of money and uh it just fits in uh, a lot better i'd imagine um institutions in america tend to work for people who are on a traditional american path uh he said and unfortunately the church has become one of those american institutions um yeah, uh, it's it's indelibly printed into Christian uh, American Christian culture that you know, oh yeah, my parents are Christians and my family go to church and you know I I, I'm, I sing in the choir and I attend the study and it's like this institutionalized version of what uh, to be a disciple of, of Jesus actually is is has been uh, diluted to to such an extent uh, at this point where it's just become a yeah an industrial and I'm not saying this. This is not on the whole. This is generalizing, but you know, it's it's not. 
you know, when Yeshua came and he flipped the tables because he they made it a a place of um, prosperity and and trade. It's like that's that's not what it's all about. So um, anyway, despite the sobering statistic, uh, Davis and Graham remain hopeful about the future and end their book with a set of exhortations for church leaders. Uh, part of their advice: be patient. The great dechurching didn't happen overnight and won't be reversed quickly. Uh, congregations will need what the authors call relationship wisdom and a quiet, calm and curious demeanour where leaders are quick to listen and slow to speak. Uh, the path forward, they write, is not easy, but it is simple. Um, so, all in all, I, I just find that a very uh, very interesting um, article. Um, I, I, I think for me personally, if, if you're looking at this um this vacuum uh what i would suggest is that there is a crying out for um good sound biblical doctrine that's taught and um good faithful leaders who are serving their communities uh righteously uh not for uh, financial gain um not to be um you know who are in it for the right reasons and unfortunately we've we've got a generation of folk who have been let down either by church hurt hypocrisy um people not living out um the word as it is it, it should do and uh, again we you know this isn't necessarily pointing the finger because we're all doing our best with, with what we got but essentially um i think there's a <laughs> To put it crudely, there's a massive gap in the market, and you know, I, I think is this is this part of the move of people coming back to the roots of the faith, where at first they've got to come out of Babylon a bit, they've got to step away from these institutions, whether in America, the UK, or or across the world in general, where where people are really hungry and and they're thirsting for for the word, they're they're thirsting for uh, the truth. Um, and again, we can get into the, the, the doctrines and the theologies that, that uh, run and rule um, these institutions in the West. And, um, you know, are we, part, uh, are we in part seeing the, the beginnings of a great um, revelation within the body of, of the fulfillment of, of the, the, full, the fullness of the scriptures? I don't know. I don't know. But I just thought that was uh, an interesting... Um, an interesting little uh, insight into what's taking place in America. Um, are are people being ready to to um, to come back to to the faith, or um, is it part of a greater falling away? I don't know. You tell me. But yeah.
Right. Um, so keeping on with the theme uh, from our last episode, uh, if you've not seen this, I'd be very surprised. But I thought it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely worth a look. Um, uh, yeah, we were talking about Project Bluebeam and uh, all the shenanigans that were taking place, and uh, of course, uh, a big shout out and a thanks goes to. Uh, the Mexican Congress for our next story because um, it's just it's just good stuff. Let's let's have a look. Start from the beginning. Right, yeah, so basically, um, yeah, we, we've we made contact, it's official, um, thanks to to the Mexican government, uh, we, we now have official confirmation that uh, they're among us. Um, so yeah, this, this was a real strange one where, um, yeah, they've unveiled these little mummified uh, alien creatures uh, and... Um, of course, there's been reaction across the board about the um, the legitimacy of the claim, and um, yeah, it's it's uh, the, the the main the main ufologist who um, who helped present these, uh, Jamie or Jane Musan, uh, he's got a history of revealing um, like cryptids and monsters. Uh, just part of like some ter- terrible hoaxes, <laughs> putting together these terrible little monsters and then saying that they're uh, yeah supernatural beings and whatnot. So this guy's already got a questionable track record when it comes to uh, unveiling uh, little little friendly friendly things. And uh, yeah, it's just um, I think we're we're fully into silly season. Basically, it's like. Um, w- I mean, we've got we've got a couple of options here. The first option is that this is real, this is legit, and these are in fact mummified midget, uh, small people, aliens. Uh, or um, the second option is it's it's uh, it's it's not real. It's it's uh, it's a hoax. It's um, somebody pulling our leg. Um, but I just think it's uh, again interesting timing with certain things in terms of uh, uh, revelations coming out of America with regards to disclosure, and then I don't know whether like Mexico's just spoiling the party where it's like no, no, we're trying to convince people here, like we're, we're trying, to, <laughs> and you just I love this the the dude in the white coat is like. <laughs> 
If ever you need to make anything look official, just get a guy in a white coat next to it, and uh, it will definitely be uh, it will definitely be legit. But yeah, this is a guy, Jamie Musan. Um, yeah, questionable dude. Um, so I, I don't I, I don't fully understand whether like uh, this is actually discrediting any attempt to um, legitimize this this uh, narrative of contact with aliens and and they're among us because. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm thinking paper mache, couple of toilet tubes, and and you can make that up yourself. Like, no, no problem at all. Um, but you know, on a on a slightly different tangent, is this um, is this a, a distraction? I, I I know from having a brief look at, in terms of the uh, the history of. Um, uh, the history of um, shenanigans that take place in Mexican government and the scandals and the bribes and all of the corruption there is um, is pretty serious. So I don't know whether it's a distraction tactic. I don't know if something's uh, going through in terms of legislation or uh, there's been some sort of government corruption that they don't want the people to know about. Who knows? But um, yeah, so uh, they're among us. They're here and... Um, just a big shout out to to the Mexican government for for making us aware. It's uh, it's much appreciated. Right. Um, next topic. Uh, somebody who we featured on uh, on I think it was the first episode. Actually, uh, this is uh, this is a pretty fresh one, uh, hot off the press. Uh, it's um, it's our friend uh, Russell Brand. Um, he's uh, he's in the news again, but probably for reasons which. Uh, He's not um, happy about. Um, but before we get into that, we'll just we'll just play this clip and. We do. We like facts. I love facts. I wouldn't have mentioned it. I'm English, and you know that politeness is our fundamental religion. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they do pertain to this issue. So may I say something? Please, please, if they please inconvenience you, I I I'll stop saying them. The pandemic created at least 40 new far big pharma billionaires. Pharmaceutical corporations like Moderna and Pfizer made $1,000 of profit every second from the COVID-19 <laughs> vaccine. More than well. two-thirds of Congress received campaign funding from pharmaceutical companies in the 2020 election. Pfizer chairman Albert Baller told Time magazine, in July 2020 that his company was developing a COVID vaccine for the good of humanity, not for money. And of course, Pfizer made $100 billion but, okay. in profit right. in 2022. Right. And, and may I just mention, finally, and these are, this is also a fact, that you, the American public, funded the development of that. The German fund, public funded the BioNTech vaccine. When it came to the profits, they took the profits. When it came to the funding, you paid for the funding. It's difficult not okay, to... But I, I will just add one thing. It is possible that... That these are greedy capitalists what, who made a lot of money, yes. and also there are a lot of people who did need the vaccine. Yes, I'm there are a lot fearing. of people who did need the vaccine. I, I did never wanted to be told I was one of them right. who had to take it, but there are lots of people who needed that vaccine and would be dead without it. That's a, that is true too. Bill, that is true too. 
More facts. All I'm querying is this. Yes. Is if you have All an right. economic system in which pharmaceutical companies benefit hugely from medical emergencies, where a military-industrial okay. complex benefits from war, where energy companies benefit from energy crises, you are going to These generate right. states of perpetual crisis yes. where the interests of ordinary and, and, people well, yes. and, separate from the interests of the elite. And, yeah, so we got um, our boy Russell there. Uh, yeah, speaking some truth, and I think he's been on this for for a while. There's been a, a, a trajectory of uh, the depth in which he he talks about certain topics. And again, this isn't to venerate the individual. I think I spoke previously about his questionable uh, understanding of of uh, spiritual uh, principles, but in particular the the role of, of uh, God and 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 Yeshua in particular. Um, so yeah, I, I'm more than happy to, to chew the meat and spit out the bones of this one. But, um, as an individual, like you've seen a, a man come away from mainstream, uh, entertainment and media and, uh, arguably, you know, goes onto major platforms and, and speaks uh, a lot of, uh, truth, arguably. Um, and again, the, the, the interesting thing it, about this story for me is, is timing, it's all about timing. So um, I just want to set the tone where we, we have an individual who's, who's, who's speaking truth, who's pushing some buttons. And again, I, I think there's been a, a pattern of this emerging uh, within uh, the media. Now, a lot of these individuals, this is where I think personally it does get a little bit murky in terms of who and what constitutes um, uh, controlled opposition you know, these individuals are able to speak a degree of truth. Uh, they're not deplatformed. They're still accessible on, for the most part, um, you know, mainstream sources, whether it be YouTube or, uh, you know, social media. Uh, they're still accessible and they're still able to, to speak a degree of truth. So I do question um, and I do wonder um, because there are those that do, uh, who, who will speak a degree of truth and you won't find them on YouTube. You will find them demonetized. You will see them deplatformed and uh, blacklisted and, and the rest of it. So, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that this guy is just some, some fountain of truth, but at the same time, you know, I, I just find it interesting uh, when, when, when you've been chewed up and used by the mainstream and how they'll just take out their own at a, a time that's suitable for them. So, yeah, if you've not seen, we'll we'll, uh, we'll play this and this will give an explanation. Hello there, you Awakening Wonders. Now, this isn't the usual type of video we make on this channel where we critique, attack and undermine the news in all its corruption because in this story, I am the news. I've received two extremely disturbing letters or a letter and an email, one from a mainstream media TV company, one from a newspaper listing a litany of extremely egregious and aggressive attacks as well as some pretty stupid stuff like uh, my community festival should be stopped, that I shouldn't be able to attack mainstream media narratives on this channel. But amidst this litany of astonishing, rather baroque attacks are some very serious allegations that I absolutely refute. 
These allegations pertain to the time when I was working in the mainstream, when I was in the newspapers all the time, when I was in the movies. And as I've written about extensively in my books, I was very, very promiscuous. Now, during that time of promiscuity, the relationships I had were absolutely always consensual. I was always transparent about that then, almost too transparent. And I'm being transparent about it now as well. And to see that transparency metastasized into something criminal that I absolutely deny makes me question is there another agenda at play? Particularly when we've seen coordinated media attacks before, like with Joe Rogan, when he dared to take a medicine that the mainstream media didn't approve of. And we saw a spate of headlines from media outlets across the world using the same language. I'm aware that you guys have been saying in the comments for a while, watch out, Russell, they're coming for you. You're getting too close to the truth. Russell Brand did not kill himself. I know that a year ago, there was a spate of articles. Russell Brand's a conspiracy theorist. Russell Brand's right wing. I'm aware of news media making phone calls, sending letters to people I know for ages and ages. It's been clear to me, or at least it feels to me, like there's a serious and concerted agenda to control these kind of spaces and these kind of voices. And I mean my voice along with your voice. I don't mind them using my books and my stand-up to talk about my promiscuous, consensual conduct in the past. What I seriously refute are these very, very serious criminal allegations. Also, it's worth mentioning that there are witnesses whose evidence directly contradicts the narratives that these two mainstream media outlets are trying to construct, apparently in what seems to me to be a coordinated attack. Now, I don't want to get into this any further because of the serious nature of the allegations, but I feel like I'm being attacked and plainly they are working very closely together. We are obviously going to look into this matter because it's very, very serious. In the meantime, I want you to stay close, stay awake, but more important than any of that, if you can, please stay free. Yeah, so basically, um, yeah, he's, he's in the media, he's in the news stories right now because of uh, allegations of uh, sexual, um, uh, uh, to be uh, being sexually inappropriate, uh, uh, accusations of, of uh, yeah, gross sexual misconduct, basically. And um, I'm, I'm definitely not here to like advocate or condone uh, the individual or his actions. Uh, at all i'm sure he can look after himself and i personally don't have a, a dog in this fight as it were it's like i just find it interesting that that the timing of this in the sense that um these uh, uh i guess the knowledge of the these allegations or the things that took place historically are backdated from a long time ago and why is it now it, it, that these things are now coming to the surface uh, is it because he's like getting too close uh, to 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 the truth? Is he saying things that are making certain people uncomfortable? Uh, is he is he ex uh, exploring narratives in which they 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 don't really want the the public to be uh, to be aware of? I, I don't know. Um, but again, we we've seen this pattern of of an individual who who perhaps comes away from the mainstream, starts talking about some truth, and um, uh, then starts to get um, uh, pillared for it, but again, is 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 this you know is he just part of the club and this is controlled opposition and it's an appearance to make him look like he's being suppressed and um, you know uh, ostracized for speaking the truth when essentially he he could still be leading people up 
up the garden path as it were so it's um just a just a real interesting blend how uh, the mainstream media will will take these um uh these truthers so called and 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 put them in a uh, a difficult position which uh can actually i think can actually consolidate and almost bring more people to uh to their corner and to their narrative i mean you've only got to look at an andrew tate as an example of somebody who uh is not he- held in very uh, good regard and esteem <laughs> within the media but yet like some of the things that he's uh, promoting are just uh, absolutely abhorrent but if he's got enough red pill in him and he's he's talking enough truth a lot a lot of people will gravitate towards that and sometimes when these people are ostracized or or or, or, or kicked by the mainstream it actually attracts more more people I, I think we had a similar situation with with, with the uh that far right guy, Tommy Tommy Robinson. It's like the more you, um, uh, yeah, the more you you kick these people, the more people it attracts. So um, I don't know. I, I just think um, uh, again, um, it, it seems as though if you start saying certain things about uh, questioning the narrative, they will eventually come for you. Uh, and I'm sure, like in his history of uh, being a broadcaster in the movies that he's done, like he's promoted the agenda like really well. Do you know what I mean? In terms of uh, narcissistic, uh, self-fulfilling, selfish, sexually deviant, you know, promoting all of these like um, really unrighteous uh, principles. Um, And again, I don't know how deep, down he got within the the these sort of uh these fraternities and whatnot i I don't know he was definitely deep in the world of celebrity and uh, at some point he's obviously uh tried to to pull away from that but what i'm saying is this guy is has played his part and um i don't know whether whether the that they've had enough and, and they're just pulling the plug on the guy but um essentially uh I think as well, it just in terms of how the, how in this world, like nothing is without repentance, essentially you're, you're knackered. And I think you can talk a good talk and you can um, do all the woke stuff and fight the, the agendas, but without genuine repentance, like you, all of those skeletons will be coming up to, uh, to haunt you essentially. And, um, uh, thank God that that all of our transgressions or sins are buried in the water of baptism. Because again, this isn't about me saying I'm better or or more than or less than another than another man. But I have an advocate in in Jesus, in that I can put all of these things at the foot of the cross and, and walk with a clear conscience uh, that these things in my past, uh, though uh, we may all have to pick up the pieces of, of certain things, but the, these guys are like having to walk out the repercussions of their conduct and their immoral behavior in a public domain so who's to say that the lord's not just saying well you've had your cake now you're gonna have to eat it and it's playing out in real time so is there a justice being served is there a way in which a a man is is, has committed uh all of these things in his past in, in in a in a state of hedonistic uh celebrity uh, self-indulgence and and it, it's coming back to 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 bite him I, I don't know um from from what i've seen in terms of the allegations I, I obviously a lot of it is question morally questionable 
Um, I don't know if there's necessarily any criminal activity. Um, And if you do go and look at some of the the footage of how he's conducted himself in the media and in interviews, yeah, it's it's questionable at best and um, just completely cringing at uh, at the same time as well. So um, I don't know. Again, it's just uh, it's just interesting to see these um, these processes uh, play out in real time. So um, again, uh, let us know what you think. Um, is he is he a martyr? Is he controlled opposition? Um, has he been used, chewed up, and spat out? Um, or is he going to live to fight another day, gain more followers, get more traction? Who knows? Okay, uh, one one last outing. Um, now this uh, this individual um, has kind of gone viral uh, in the last uh, last week or two. Um, he's been on uh, numerous podcasts and whatnot. But essentially, this is a musician who goes by the name of Oliver Anthony. And, um, yeah, he, he's basically gone viral for a song, um, uh, Rich Men North of Richmond, which uh, originally I was going to play, but it's actually got a, a bit of swearing in there, so I don't, don't want to offend anyone. But, um, no, but this guy, essentially, he's, he's, he's come out with some uh, arguably righteous, righteously endearing songs, and he, uh, I believe he appeared on Joe Rogan, uh, read some scriptures, um, spoke about his faith. Um, again, it's just been refreshing to see an individual uh, go on to major platforms and actually profess uh, Christ and, and and do it in a, in a powerful way. But I just thought it'd be nice to close out with a song. Um, for me, uh, I heard it and it just really captures that sentiment of just having had enough of the madness <laughs> of this world. And again, I thought in the context of what we do on this show, um we we you know i spend my time looking at some some uh pretty crazy things and um uh as believers we we can get tired and weary and i thought this song really encapsulates that sense of um needing yeshua to sort this mess out and wanting to be uh wanting to be home wanting to be in heaven uh with our father and um looking forward to that day so yeah, I'm just going to let this play out and um, enjoy it. Well, if it weren't for my whole dogs and the good Lord, they'd have me strung up in the psych ward. Cause every day living in this new world is one too many days to me. Son, we're on the brink. Of the next world war And I don't think Nobody's praying no more And I ain't Saying I know it for sure I'm just down on my knees Begging the Lord Take me home 
so much for for joining me once again uh really appreciate your time um uh, again i appreciate all your interactions in the comments and and all of your suggestions and um yeah i I hope that this uh this reaches you all well um uh i hope and i pray that uh yeah you can stay strong keep fighting the good fight and um yeah from from our house to yours this is uh this has been the upper room uh, after hours and um take care god bless uh, we love you loads <laughs>